The Baltimore Ravens pick up a big 24 to 16 over the Tennessee Titans in week six in London. We talk about everything that happened reacting to the game coming up next year on Locked On Ravens. You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another episode of Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ostreicher of Ravens Wire here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. Thank you so much for being here on this Sunday afternoon, making us your first listen each and every single day on Locked On Ravens. As always, free and available on podcasting platforms. That includes over in video form on YouTube and anywhere you get your audio podcast. And today's episode of Locked On Ravens is brought to you by Game Time. Down the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NFL for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We are here after the Ravens' week six London victory, 24 to 16 over the Tennessee Titans. We're a five day week Ravens podcast here on Locked On Ravens, so Monday through Friday and more during the season, like these live reaction streams after games. We have you covered Ravens news analysis updates all the way across the board, so if you want daily Ravens content, be sure to subscribe on YouTube, follow along in audio form. It's the same show, both audio and video. Tell a friend, tell a family member that we have them covered here on this show. But with that 24-16, when it moves the Ravens to 4-2, and two, on the 2023 season, I think it was a needed win. And we'll, we'll talk about what happened in this game, because I feel like even though a win is a win, right, you go 1-0 every week, that's the goal. There were some things that were concerning. There were other things that weren't as concerning, some things that the Ravens cleaned up, some things they still have to clean up. So we'll get into all that. We'll talk about the game in general, recap stats, get into trends. We'll also talk about consistency issues overall as a whole for the Ravens. I think there were some offensively, not as much defensively. I think the Ravens defense has played pretty well. And then some upcoming challenges for the Ravens in terms of what they have next on the docket in terms of opponents and a lot more. So the chat is popping here. We got Christopher saying, let's go. It got ugly, but we got the W in London. Yes, sir. That, that is exactly what it is. The Ravens never make it easy, right? It's always some form of a, a heart racing game, but they got the job done. Joe in the chat saying London dubs. Oh, yeah. Andrew T Tyler saying, yeah, baby, we live from London. All right. Andrew representing abroad. I, I like that. Andrew Christopher saying victory plane ride. Yeah, we'll, we'll see if Marlon goes live, but for a lot of the people who are at the game, it's definitely a nice victory plane ride over there. Lavernius saying <laughs> it's a vacation Ravens edition over there. Yeah, the, the national European for sure. And then Christopher saying you're a wizard, Tucker. Justin Tucker was the Ravens MVP or one of them, at least one of the Ravens MVPs. Six field goals in this game for Justin Tucker. But let's just start off with the basic stats here. Then we'll break that down as a whole. Lamar Jackson finished this game 21 of 30 for 223 yards, one touchdown and one interception. Also had 13 carries for 62 yards on the ground. I thought as a whole, Lamar played a decently fine game. Like I thought he was good. I thought it was fine. There was the interception. The interception was weird. I don't know if there was a miscommunication between Lamar Jackson and Rashad Bateman on that play because Bateman came back for the ball and Lamar Jackson threw it a little bit like he wanted Rashad to keep running because it really wasn't right into the arms of who was it? Was it Sean Murphy bunting? I think it was Sean Murphy bunting who ended up intercepting that ball. And it felt like Lamar was a little confused after the play. So I don't know if it was some miscommunication 
But I think offensively, the big storyline is Justin Tucker going six for six. And because Justin Tucker went six for six, you have to look at the red zone offense. And this is something we talk about. If you've been with me for locked on locked on Ravens for a while, you've been listening to my content for a while. You know that last season I was on the Ravens all year about their red zone offense. They were a terrible red zone unit last year. And we had started to see the shift from last year to this year in the offensive side of the ball, red zone wise. And I, I tweeted out the stat after the game for the first four weeks. And John Harbaugh talked about it too. The first four weeks of the season, the Ravens red zone offense was lights out. They were number one in the league in red zone completion per, or like conversion percentage. And when I mean percentage in red zone, just for clarification, I don't mean amount of scores in the red zone. I mean, amount of touchdowns converted. So if Justin Tucker kicks, kicks a field goal in the red zone, that's not one for one. It's 0 for 1 based off of touchdown conversion percentage. So through weeks one through four, the Ravens were 12 for 15 in the red zone. That's 80% conversion rate. That's really, really good. But in the last two weeks against Pittsburgh and now against Tennessee, they're one for nine in the red zone for 11%. There have been turnovers in the red zone, some not so great play calling in the red zone, lack of execution. And now going home to play the Lions, you got to be better. You got to get back to where you were weeks one through four. That to me, I think is really, really key and really, really important. Uh, Jay Mago saying extremely happy for Zay. Yeah, I, Zay scores his first NFL touchdown. We'll get into the receiving stats quickly here just because of Jay Mago's point here. Uh, Mark Andrews, four for 69. Zay Flowers, six for 50. And a score, Nelson Aguilar, two for 40. Should have been a touchdown. Nelson Aguilar should have had that touchdown. Uh, but he, he got caught by... The literal shoelaces. I think the defender maybe graced like the front of his shoe and it tripped him up. The turf was a little interesting. I know that multiple Ravens players were not really happy with the turf on Sunday at Tottenham, but that's now it's, it happened. It's done now. Odell two for 34, Rashad Bateman two for 15, Gus Edwards one for 12, Patrick Ricard one for three, and Justice Sill had three for zero. So yeah, he averaged no yards per catch on three receptions. I mean, as a whole, Baltimore's offense. It's kind of the same trend that I've been talking about for these first five weeks. It happened again in week six, where there have been two different forms of this Ravens offense. They've either started really fast on a first possession touchdown, first half really good, but then they fizzled out in the second half, and it has either caused opponents to get back in the game or momentum shifts, and it's just a lot harder than it needs to be, or they start off pretty slow, but then they figure it out is the second half goes along. This was obviously an example of the Ravens starting off pretty fast. I mean, the game at halftime was 18 to three and you're thinking, all right, the Titans get the ball back. The Titans offense hasn't done much of anything outside of a couple of calls from the referees here and there. You would hope that they'd be able to just step on the gas and put the Titans away. But instead there's the turnover, there are three and outs, there's sloppiness again and the Titans put up a 10 spot in the third quarter compared to Baltimore zero. And obviously the Ravens end up pulling out the win because Malik Willis comes in and just plays terrible football and takes, what was it? Four sacks on five pass attempts. Like it, it was horrible. Malik Willis was horrible. Somehow worse than Ryan Tannehill who threw for 76 yards in, in an interception in this game. So I just think with the Ravens, their defense continues to step up and it's allowing the offense to work through some of these issues where hopefully by the time November comes around, hopefully by the time December comes around, they will have more of an offensive identity and there will be more consistency. Again, as I've said, there was never going to be an expectation from me. And I don't think from a lot of the fan base 
that the Ravens offense would have come out and just been on fire, 30 points a game, 40 points a game. That was never the expectation. But I think it's been a little underwhelming to me at least how sloppy and how inconsistent they've been. I expected stretches of longer longer consistency and stretches of longer inconsistency maybe earlier in the season, but now we're, we're a month and a half into the year so far. So it's not like we can say, oh, well, it's the week one jitters or the week three jitters. We're heading into week seven now for the Ravens, and they still are kind of figuring things out, which is fine. You don't necessarily have to hit your peak until – maybe November or December, you don't want to, you know, you hit your absolute peak, hopefully in January and then play that way until through the Super Bowl. But at this point, Baltimore's offense is trying to figure things out. Odell Beckham has a nice play. Rashad Bateman makes a catch. Those two haven't necessarily been living up to what the expectations from a lot of the fan base have been. Zay Flowers is on pace for, I think, 99 catches. He is the Ravens wide receiver one. And my bold prediction, if you listen to that episode back a couple months ago, my bold prediction was, (laughs) you know, Zay Flowers is going to be the number one receiver on the Ravens by the time the season ends. And look, he was the number one receiver on the Ravens by the time week one ended. Like he, He's been that good for them. Mark Andrews making clutch big plays as well. We can have a little bit of a conversation as the, as the stream goes on, as the week goes on, about Gus Edwards. He had 16 carries for 41 yards, 2.6 yards per carry. He... He lacks a little bit of explosiveness, I think. Now, with the cutting, I thought he showed a lot of cutting ability in this game and change of direction, and it actually caused him a bunch of running room on a couple of different plays. He was also there on a key check down from Lamar Jackson. But to me, I don't. this might be a hot take. This might not be. But at this point, I think Justice Hill is the Ravens' best running back. Hill's looked great to me, 8 for 35 in this game for 4.4 yards per carry. He's been the most consistent running back, in my opinion. And I'm not saying Gus isn't consistent. He is literally the, literally the definition of that. Five yards per carry over the course of his career as a whole. But I think that Justice Hill is providing more boost and more explosiveness. And I think those two in tandem work well. But there's, I think, some hesitancy for the Ravens to give Gus Edwards a full workload. And part of that has to do with how well Justice Hill has been playing. I mentioned the one for six in the red zone offensively for the Ravens. And we'll get into defensive stats coming up in the second part of the show, but the Ravens went 50% on third down eight for 16, a lot of clutch plays from Lamar Jackson, essentially playing hero ball 360 total on the, on, you know, through the air and on the ground for the Ravens there 5.1 yards per play was actually the average for both teams, but the Ravens held the ball for 11 more minutes or right around 11 more minutes, 35, 42 for the Ravens, 24, 18 for the Titans. So they won. The Ravens won the game, but I think that consistency-wise, we'll be getting into that as a whole, and we'll get into the chat coming up in the second part of the show. Also talking about defensively how the Ravens, again, put up a great performance in this one. So coming up in the second part of the show, we still have a lot to get to on Locked on Ravens. Be sure to stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. But first, this episode of Locked on Ravens is brought to you by Game Time. And there are a bunch of different times when I've had frustrating experiences buying tickets because I wasn't even sure if some of the seats I were going to be getting were going to even be good. I, some, I couldn't even find last minute tickets on some things as well, and there were just no good deals. But you shouldn't have to worry about that when you're buying tickets to your next big event. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you and they have things like killer last minute deals all in prices used from your seat and the best price guarantee game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets and in the baltimore area 
Obviously, the Orioles are done for the season. Unfortunately, it would have been really nice to have a couple more Orioles games in the Baltimore area. But the Ravens do come home. They play the Lions in Week 7, so there's an opportunity there. There are also multiple concerts in the area, which are really exciting. So be sure to check out Game Time for deals. Again, they have last-minute tickets, flash deals, zone deals. The Game Time app is super easy to use as well. They have, it's really easy to find and buy tickets over there for every kind of event in your area. They have views also from all the seats in the venue, plus lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, job loss protection, and more. Game time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. You can see the view from your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Plus, they have all-in prices, which show your total up front, so you know you're getting the great deal without the hidden fees. Plus, you can buy tickets in seconds with two taps. And they're obsessed with finding ways to help you save money on tickets, which is obviously a big point when buying tickets. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event, and even an hour after it starts, it's the place to find last-minute seats, find exclusive flash deals and sponsor deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And with those zone deals, you pick the section and game time picks the seats for an average of 18% savings. And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section and row for less. Game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Take the guess we're going to buy tickets with the game time. Download the game time app. Create an account. Use code LOCKDOWNNFL for 20%. $20, excuse me, off your first purchase. Terms apply again. Create an account redeem code locked on NFL, spelled L O C K E D O N NFL for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. And today's episode of Locked On Ravens is also brought to you by Prize Picks. And if you want daily fantasy sports, Prize Picks is the place to go and try to win. With prize picks, it's the most fun many have had winning up to 25 times their money this football season. All I have to do is select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and place your entry. Plus, they have quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and enormous selection of players and stat type. That's what makes prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. And so for this game, if you picked Lamar Jackson to go for more than his projected touchdown total, maybe Zay Flowers going for more than his projected touchdown total to there were a lot of good Raven stuff over there on Prize Picks. Prize Picks offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday, which means each Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select player projections of 25% to provide even more value. With the Prize Picks reboot policy, too, your entries stay in the play, even if one of your players gets injured. Those are the worst when players get injured and it ends up not. It just ruins everything. For NFL games and college football top 25 matchups, if you have a player who's exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. Prize Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with injury insurance, which is awesome. Plus, there are so many different ways to win on Prize Picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash LockdownNFL. Use code LockdownNFL for a first boss match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash LockdownNFL. Use code LockdownNFL for a first boss match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. We're back here, our second part of Locked On Ravens coming to you after the Ravens' big win across the pond, week six against the Tennessee Titans, 24 to 16 victory. Kevin Ostraker here, still talking Ravens football. We're going to talk about the defense. Let's, let's just get generally into the defensive stats and then we'll, we'll look back at the chat here. So be sure to comment in the live chat if you're watching live on YouTube. If you've missed it though, you can comment down below on the video. Also, in audio form, it's going to be available there as well. So you're not missing out on anything defensively. The Ravens played a really good game of football because not only did the Ravens go 8 of 16 on third down offensively, but defensively they held the Titans to 1 of 9 from third down. That's big, especially when you have a guy in that Tennessee backfield like Derrick Henry who we know can move bodies and pick up yards and can sometimes, in fact, most of the time, be a very big hassle to bring down. He's just a big body. I wouldn't want to tackle Derrick Henry. 1 for 9 on third down is awesome. It's great. 
The Ravens also were able to hold the Titans to just 104 yards passing, which again, the Titans threw the ball 21 times, averaged 3.9 yards per pass. Like I mentioned the time of possession battle. Penalties were a big thing in this game. There were a couple of very questionable pass interference calls, the Kyle Hamilton ejection, which that should have been a penalty. It, it was a textbook definition for a penalty, right? You, you give the personal foul penalty, but you move on, right? I think that throwing him out for that one, Kyle Hamilton has no reputation of being any sort of a dirty player, didn't do anything in that game, at least I didn't see, that warranted an ejection. I think that there was a little premature for, I don't think it was the actual officials in the game. I think it came from New York. But regardless, I think that was a little premature by New York to throw him out of that game. And it cost the Ravens because Marcus Williams goes down. And so the Ravens were essentially operating with Geno Stone, who played another great game, and Brandon Stevens, where they moved back to safety in this one. But stats-wise, Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen continued to just ball out and be an incredible duo. Nine tackles for each of those guys. Justin Matabike, five tackles and two sacks. He's going to be getting paid. The Ravens have a lot of decisions to make in terms of some of their young defensive talent, such as Queen and Matabike, Stone, Malik Harrison played really well. They're going to need to figure out which guys they bring back and which guys they don't, because I don't think the Ravens will have the money to bring back a lot of these guys, especially as some of these bigger deals become more. And you're going to have to probably re-sign Odell Beckham if you don't want to have that dead cap hit of $11 million. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But Matabike played lights out. Malik Harrison, I thought, had a really nice underrated game. You know, made a couple of really big stops. You know, Stone, I mentioned, had the interception on Ryan Tannehill. He, he's he been playing lights out, stepped up in big moments when guys have gone down and guys have gotten injured. He also was going to get paid a lot of money personally. So the Ravens' defense did their job, but the offense has put them in such bad spots throughout the entire course of the season that you start to wonder, well, <laughs> are they starting to get a little tired? I think we saw the defense get a little tired out there but they ended up getting the job done, and that's what matters there. Scott saying the offensive line is still stagnant, good win. The offensive line had its moments in this game, but they also did struggle in some moments as well. Lamar Jackson in this game actually was only sacked once for two yards, so it wasn't like they were giving up sack after sack after sack. But I know that in the run game, they've had some issues getting blown off the ball in certain circumstances. But that unit, to me, is one of the more consistent units. It's just like Ronnie Stanley has struggled at times, and we saw that in this Tennessee game a little bit as well. I thought he got better as the game went on, but I know in the first, what was it, like the first quarter on a third down play, he got blown off the ball, and it resulted in a, in a third down stop for the Titans. So to me, all right, yeah, let's talk about the Hamilton. And I see, I see LJ in the chat saying, what's my take on the hit? It was a penalty. The Hamilton hit was a penalty, but it's so bang, bang. And Patrick Queen talked about this in his interview with the media after the game where it's just, it's such a bang, bang play that it's really hard to warrant an ejection where yes, Hamilton, I have to, let, let me look at the replay a little bit. I'll, I'll pull it up as I'm talking about it. But the, the, the common point that people are making is he launched himself into Chris Moore. You can see that, like I'm watching it right now, you can see him go, and I think it's either off of one foot or one and a half feet. He takes off, and he's not aiming for the helmet in that moment. In that moment, I think Hamilton is trying to dislodge the ball. You can see his hands move towards the ball. I think it was just, it was an unfortunate placement. Now, by rule, by textbook definition, it's a penalty. Hamilton should have been penalized 15 yards for the play. I'm, I'm not disputing the penalty. I'm not disputing that he got penalized for it. But the interception, well, the interception, the ejection to me 
just it didn't warrant it because it was his first personal foul penalty of the game. Again, there's no history of Kyle Hamilton being a dirty player. I just think you give him the 15 and you move on. It's unfortunate that Chris Moore got injured. Hopefully he's okay. Obviously the, the worry there is a concussion. I haven't seen any updates on Chris Moore. Maybe there have been. I just haven't seen it. But to me, I think ejecting him for that is a little bit up there in terms of something that maybe New York should have just let go. I mean, I get that it was a penalty. I get that it was a bad hit. I don't consider it necessarily dirty. Like, I don't think he had dirty intentions. It looks like a dirty hit, but I don't think the intentions were dirty. So it's tough. It's a bang, bang play. And that's why I think, again, Hamilton didn't have time where, what do you want him to do? And the fact that if he doesn't go and try to dislodge the ball, he, it's probably a catch by Chris Moore. So he's trying to make sure that Chris Moore does not have a catch and tries to dislodge the ball. But obviously it was unfortunate helmet placement. And I'm not disputing the fact that, yeah, it was a bad hit, but I don't think it was dirty intentions by Hamilton. Uh, we have a comment here. Red zone struggles worry me, but a win is a win. Offense is still growing. It is. It is still growing. I think the, the correct take would be this is not a doomsday win. No win should be a doomsday win. They pull out a win. They get the job done. They go 1-0. Are there things for them to clean up? Yeah, 100%, right? The, the offense cannot continue playing like this, continue playing so inconsistently to the point where teams like the tight – look, admittedly, and we'll talk about this in the final part of the show. I want to make this point, but the Titans are not a good team right now. Ryan Tannehill is, is on the back end of his career. Derrick Henry is not prime Derrick Henry. DeAndre Hopkins is not is not prime DeAndre Hopkins. They have no wide receiver weapons. The Titans defense, while they're a good rush defense, they're a terrible pass defense. And the Ravens offense still could not put the Titans away offensively and kept putting the Ravens defense in bad spots. Now the Ravens defense stepped up. You had Roquan make a really nice high IQ play at the end of that game by not letting Chickaconquo get up. Well, he, in fact, Never mind. He did let him get up. Usually you, you try to run clock in certain ways. Roquan Smith, 10,000 IQ, 9,000 IQ play by him to let Chigakonkwo get up and run clock off so the Titans did not have time to snap the ball at the two-minute warning. The Titans had to take the two-minute warning, and that was really big. But the Ravens offense keeps putting consistently the Ravens defense in, in bad situations or worse situations than it needs to be. The Ravens offense in the first half, really good, really consistent for the most part. But they have to keep that up for at least at least another quarter. If you can keep that up in the third quarter, you can put up, what, 28 points, 27 points on the Titans by the time the third quarter ends. The game's over. The Titans offense isn't good enough to, to come back from that, especially with the way the referees were kind of officiating the game a little bit. There were some flute penalties in there. To me, I think that the Ravens offense just squandered another opportunity to put a, a bad team away and that made the game a lot harder than it needed to be. So coming up in the final part of the show, we will be talking about what this game means moving forward for the Ravens, their upcoming matchup with the Lions in week seven and other trends that I noticed throughout this game. So be sure to stay tuned. We still have a bunch to get to on Locked on Ravens. Don't go anywhere. First, this episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. And these days, having your potential hire can feel like a high-stage wager for your small business. You always want to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs wants to find the right people for your team faster and for free. And for me, I've, I've had a ton of great experiences over on LinkedIn, whether it's looking for jobs for myself or sending friends and family things that maybe could benefit them. LinkedIn is super organized, and it's really easy to look on their four jobs. And it's also really easy to create a free job post over on LinkedIn. All you have to do is add your job in their profile hashtag 
hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. They have simple tools you can use like screening questions to make it easy to focus on candidates with the right skills and experiences so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and who you would like to hire as well. It's really important to both start and end the year strong and the right team member might be able to help you do that. That's why small businesses are landing jobs. Number one is delivering quality hires or sending competitors. Landing jobs is finding the qualified candidate you want to talk to you faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockdownNFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockdownNFL to post your job free. Terms and conditions apply. We're back here. It's our final segment of Locked On Ravens coming to you live. Instant reaction edition after the Ravens win against the Tennessee Titans. They escape London. 24 to 16 against Tennessee. Kevin Ostriker still here with you again. Thank you so much for tuning in with me today here on the show. This afternoon, weird Sunday afternoon stream coming to you after, again, that London game. 9.30 start time. Game ended right around 12.30-ish, 12.45-ish. Thank you again for being here, making us your first listen here on Locked on Ravens. We have five-day-a-week Ravens content for you, so we'll be coming back to you on Monday, tomorrow, 6 a.m. Eastern, with more Ravens content. Talk more about this win and the trends in this Tennessee game. We also have a bunch of exciting content coming up this week on the show. So you won't want to miss out on that. Some stuff I'm really excited about. So you can subscribe on YouTube, follow along in audio form as well. Let's, let's get into the chat a little bit here more on YouTube. It's, it's really fun to go and talk with the people who are talking in the chat here. So everybody who's tuning in live, thank you for engaging. And then anybody who's listening after the fact, be sure to comment down below and even, you know, listen in audio form. If you want to listen to it there, we have Scott saying defense played stout. We need the energy of the defense to offense. It, it definitely feels like the past two weeks, there's been some shift. You know, as I mentioned, the offense puts up an 18 spot in the first half, 18 to three lead. And you're expecting, all right, the Ravens can have some level of consistency and they can put the pedal to the metal and come out of this game with a pretty dominant win. But the momentum starts to shift because of interceptions and because of and lack of good play calling, lack of execution. And you started to feel the shift in momentum going to Tennessee. And what happened? Geno Stone has to bring it all back for the Ravens on that interception. The defense has to, it, I, I'm having trouble saying bail out the offense, but it essentially is that. I'm, I'm having trouble saying it because the offense got the defense that lead in the first place and the defense held it. But then the offense was doing everything they could to kind of throw it away. And the defense had to bring that momentum, had to rope that momentum back in. Christopher saying, glad we got out healthy somewhat. Yeah, so the injuries in this game, good point, Christopher, that the injuries in this game, at least from the updates I've seen, maybe there have been new ones. I try to peruse Twitter. I think it was Marcus Williams with the hamstring injury. And then Kevon Seymour went out with, I, I forget, maybe was that an ankle injury maybe? I think Malik Harrison was evaluated for a concussion. I don't actually know if he ended up coming back in the game. I can't even remember if he did. But a lot of that had to do with the turf. I mean, Jadavian Clowney just said, just Rebeck, saying Jadavian Clowney said the turf was terrible. He was slipping early in the game. He had to change his cleats. There's been a lot of controversy about the turf in London, which – you know, was, was not good. And there's, there's something to be said about the fact that it's always kind of been that way for the the turf and the grass in London. And it's, it impacts the game as a whole. So I think maybe that's what some of the sloppiness was on both sides for the Ravens and for the Titans in that. But I think, I don't know. I think that was all the injuries. If, if anybody else has any other injuries I'm missing, you know, please feel free to tell me in the chat. I'm just blanking on it at, the, at this point, if there were, Joey's saying we consider champions of the champions of the world now. Is, is that a Noah Lyles thing where, where Noah Lyles was talking about 
I think it was talking about the Nuggets. My my Denver Nuggets, by the way, who played tonight. I'm, I'm going to be watching that game. And it might have been Team USA. I can't remember. But they won abroad, so <laughs> maybe they are considered that. Uh, Joey's saying, think Hamilton went a little high, but I don't think it was malicious intent, so I don't think he should have been thrown out. I agree. I think it wasn't with malicious intent whatsoever. The hit textbook-wise was a penalty, as I've said, so I think it should have just been the 15 personal foul and sportsmanlike conduct and you move on. I don't, I don't think, I don't think you intercept, you eject him. I keep getting in, intercept and eject confused for some reason, but I don't think you eject him for there. Uh, Abdi saying, can the Ravens go get Frank Clark? Joey, <laughs> there's a conversation going on between Abdi and Joey. Joey saying, don't think we can afford him. Uh, Abdi says, why not? And Joey says, case you could barely afford him. I, I don't know the Ravens cat situation. I don't think they have a ton of room to work with. I think, Abdi, what I'd say about Frank Clark is he probably goes back to Kansas City. Um, I don't know if he's officially signed there or not, but I think the Ravens want to save as much money as possible for a potential trade where maybe they go out and make a splash like a Brian Burns or Pat Sertan or Saquon or Devontae Adams. I don't think that's likely. I think more realistic options would be Russell Douglas, Daniel Hunter, Zach Moss, Jerry Judy. Those are some of the more realistic splash moves. But for Frank Clark, I think he's pretty set on going back to Kansas City at this point. He'd be fine. I don't know necessarily how he meshes in with the Ravens right now. I think you're getting back Owe, you're getting back Bowser. I think more consistency in the pass rush would be awesome. But I'd personally probably look elsewhere. If he signs with the Ravens, then fine. Like I think that's a fine move. But I'd probably predict that he goes back to Kansas City and the Ravens look elsewhere, plus just rely on the reinforcements that Owe and, and Bowser and maybe a job if he comes back can give you as well. And then we have uh, Nana Rave 8 saying, are our offensive issues an offensive coordinator problem, the trainers that work with the guys, or are the guys being properly trained and just not executing? I quite, I can't quite figure out the issue. And I see Joey said yes, sir, to the Noah Lyles. Yeah, so I think it was Noah Lyles, exactly. Uh, Brandon saying it's the OC. I think it's, a, I think it's a little of everything. I think that Todd Munkin is still trying to adjust and there have been situations where Munkin has not put his players in the best positions to execute. But the other side of that is, look, Munk is not out there throwing interceptions. He's not out there dropping passes, committing penalties, fumbling the football. But, for example, like running the ball in the red zone, I think should be much more of a staple as opposed to some of these throws. And then when the run game isn't working, you can work in play action. You can work in phase of the end zone. That is not what we saw last week against Pittsburgh and Odell. That's not what should happen. Not, like that, That's an example, right? Last week against the Steelers, where you have a third and goal from what was it, the four-yard line. You can even say second and goal from the four-yard line. The Ravens have that little like shovel Mahomes to Kelsey pass. It was Lamar to Andrews and did not work. And then third down, they do the goal line fade to Beckham, and it just did not work. I mean, in that situation, like you have to run the ball at least one more time where the Ravens go one for six in the red zone, and they're throwing the ball, and they should be running it. They're running the they're running the ball a lot of the time at some points where the Ravens were never going to be a team that necessarily cut back on the running just because they got Odell. They brought in Zay Flowers. They brought in Todd Munkin, right? But they're, I think right now, heading into this game, they were the fourth highest rush team in the league. Lamar's never going to be a quarterback, I think, under an offense right now under Todd Munkin that throws 40 times a game. Ravens are too good of a rushing team to have that. Lamar could do it, right? He could, but the offense doesn't necessarily dictate that. So for me, I don't know. I think it's everything. Uh, Joey says, think, oh, he'll be able to have reduction and will it be more of a pitch count? Coming back, it'll be, it'll be probably a pitch count. This is what? He'll be out. This will be his fourth week missed. 
out here if he misses the Detroit game in week seven. So at this point, I don't necessarily know when he comes back, but if he does come back, it's probably going to be on a pitch count early and then he'll be in the rotation as, as the season goes on there. Brandon's saying, no, no, I'm sorry. It's the OT. Do, do you mean over overtime or offensive tackles? I, offensive tackles, I think makes more sense, but I'm going to go with that, Brandon. Yeah. Ronnie Stanley's had a bit of a rough go of things. If you are talking about the offensive tackles, Morgan Moses, I think has been fine. Patrick McCary, I thought played pretty well. But Daniel Filele has been disaster. So as long as Stanley can at least, he doesn't have to be all pro top tackle in the league, Ronnie Stanley, but he needs to be a little better, I think, consistently than he has been. But so coming up for the Ravens, they have a week seven game against the Lions. Lions are a good football team. They're really good. They're top of the NFC North right now. I think four and one at the time of this recording. They have a lot of guys. Jared Goff is playing great football. David Montgomery is, is you know, lighting things up as the running back there. They have Amon Ross St. Brown. Sam Laporte has been playing great. They have a solid defense too. Aiden Hutchinson has been playing some lights out football. It's going to be a tough week for the Ravens. Hopefully they can pull out a win in week seven. It'd be big to not have this whole win loss, win loss, win loss thing like they did in 2022. But if they were to lose a game, if I had to pick one of the two games from the lose, it would be the Detroit game. The Titans are a big win. It's a conference win. After the Ravens lost two conference games, getting that AFC record back up is huge. But the Lions are going to be a tough challenge, especially for a team that's coming back from London, they're going to have a little, they're going to need a little time to adjust, especially I think part of it is it's so weird. Kind of the trade-off the Ravens get there on Monday, they adjust fully to London and kind of the time difference issue, but then they have to come back. And since they're already adjusted to London, they have to readjust to Baltimore. Whereas the Titans get there on Friday, they were never adjusted to London. It's, it felt like a nine 30 game for them, but then they come back. And I don't know if Tennessee out there for the buy after this week, so I'm not sure it really mattered. But at this point, the Ravens and Lions are going to have a huge big game in week seven. It's going to be tough. It's going to be physical. I think it's going to be close as all Ravens games are at this point. Uh, Brandon, yeah. Well, before Brandon's point, Yamil says, Al's going to be a long day next Sunday. For sure it is. Brandon's saying we need to trade for an offensive lineman. I agree, Brandon. But here, here's the thing with offensive linemen and corners and quarterbacks and the and wide receivers, the, these premium position things when it comes to trade deadline, everybody needs them. Like everybody needs an offensive lineman right now. So it's not just the Ravens calling a team and a team saying, yeah, we have these three offensive linemen we can give you. Every team needs offensive line depth for this part in the season, which is why it's very rare for an offensive lineman to be traded. Even a backup is going to cost you a little bit because teams just need quality offensive line depth. There's not anything in free agency mostly at this point in the season. Trade-wise, teams want to keep their depth. So at this point, I don't know if the, Ra the Ravens are probably just going to have to work with what they have right now on the offensive line, which has to be good enough. It has to be good enough at this point. Joey's saying Suggs will be there, so that's a plus. Yeah, T-Sizzle in the house, that'll, that'll be a good one. Nana's saying, I already know from what I see on that, our offensive line is not the greatest, but our offensive, but our offense definitely needs to play better. We have to play the 49ers. We must play much better than what we're doing. Again, yeah, I mean, this is a good point here. Teams like the 49ers and the Dolphins and the Bills and the Bengals and the Chiefs and the Eagles and those top tier teams, those top tier offenses, they will take advantage of the Ravens' offensive mistakes, regardless of how good the Ravens' defense is playing. If the Ravens' defense gets put in enough bad situations, it's going to tire them out. It's going to tire them out. So the Ravens offense has to be more consistent. And as Brandon Wyatt says here, he's concerned about the offense not scoring that many points. They have to be better because we can be honest about things. One, the Ravens defense is playing lights out football. Two, the Ravens defense, who have they played? Rookie CJ Stroud in his first game, a hobbled Joe Burrow. 
a backup in Gardner Minshew, a backup in Dorian Thompson Robinson, an atrocious Steelers offense, and a horrible Titans offense. The Ravens defense is playing what's in front of them. They're playing really well. But there have been mistakes from the Ravens offense that have put the defense back out there in bad spots. And the Ravens defense has been playing so well, and they're not playing that good of offenses, that if that's the Dolphins out there, if that's the 49ers out there, those offenses take more advantage of those mistakes as opposed to Ryan Tannehill or Dorian Thompson Robinson or Kenny Pickett or et cetera. So the Ravens offense is going to have to get into more of a rhythm. They're going to have to stop putting their defense in bad situations. The Ravens offense has to credit a lot to the defense, right? The Ravens offense hasn't figured it out yet. And hopefully the defense can continue their strong play. And hopefully the offense can try to find consistency overall. Well, that's all I have for you here today on this Locked on Ravens live edition episode. Thank you so much much for tuning in be sure to subscribe follow along in audio form as well we are available on youtube in audio form anywhere you get those podcasts coming up tomorrow more ravens content continuing to get into this ravens winning as the titans and more so be sure to stay tuned i'll see you right back here tomorrow on lockdown ravens